This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 53 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two people from completely different backgrounds, except for the horse part. Uh, Keith is a man who lives in Washington, D.C., and is very much in the political arena, uh, working to save and help horses. And Dr. Chris Heine is out of Oklahoma and uh, is a equine nutritionist. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Glenn, with me today. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Debbie. How are you? Hi, good. I haven't talked to you since the you landed down at Flag is Up Farms. I how know, you been? Since we got out to visit you. I do want to mention that this is coming out a little bit early, and we'll tell you why. But uh, it's normally yeah. the 1st and the 15th, but we're coming out a little bit early this month. We are. You get a little uh, bonus time with this one because it's going to be fun. We're prepping for some really exciting stuff we'll tell you in about a little bit. But So how was your trip in a wrap-up? I know you're probably sick and tired of talking about it already, no, but not on an, our show. We had an absolute, absolutely wonderful time. This is the longest vacation we've had in 20 years. And we got went out to see Jamie, host of the morning show, and then uh, got... Uh, went to Sedona and the Grand Canyon and then out to visit you guys at Flag is Up Farms and got to get head into Solvang and see Danishville, um, which was fun. That was a good time. And Do you just, remember the name of the pancake thing that you had? No, it's uh, I oh, called them on. pancake balls because I couldn't well, say Well, they it. are pancake balls, but it sounds a little more ugh, that way. But <laughs> <laughs> They're able skeevers. Able skeevers. skeevers. They yeah. were very good. I will say that. The pancake balls were good. Uh, so, yeah, we had had a great time. We got to stay at your house, which was a true pleasure because the place is like a museum. Yeah. Uh, Pat has uh, collected some fine artwork and, of course, all of her st- statues and everything that she has there, plus all of the pictures of your dad with uh, everybody in the world uh, mm-hmm. was really cool from the queen on down. You know, but my favorite part, you know, and I got to ride in one of your dad's uh, like championship saddles on yeah, one right. of, on one of your dad's horses. Right. So that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see you doing that. Too. Yeah, I don't ride very often. I'm a driver. So I, twice on this trip I rode. And, of course, riding, you know, riding a Monty horse, a willing partner's horse is like, you know, if you can't ride one of those, you just shouldn't even be on a horse. So, I mean, Aww. the thing is push button. And, and I don't know what button. buttons I was pushing, but it was doing some fancy stuff. I was side passing and doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I had no idea. But it looked pretty. Um, it did. You look pretty, you guys up there. Yeah, we got Jennifer, it always made Jennifer mad because she always said, you have such a natural seat and you hate to ride. So it always made her mad because she's like, I have to work at my seat and you just sit there. I said, well, because I'm not working at it is why I'm just sitting here. So it's like, yeah, the natural part is what yeah, we're the natural. Yeah. That's all I've got. So, um, so that was fun. That was a good time. And not too many people get to say they did that. So that was neat. Yeah. Did you have fun going on the racetrack too? Yes. I've never, you know, Jennifer had never ridden a horse on a racetrack like that before. So that cool. was, that was yeah. great fun. And, but you know what I had the most fun with? And we talked about it here on the show before with, with your dad. And Monty was away. He was over in Europe at the time. So I got to spend the time with uh, you and Pat and your sister. And uh, was was Monty's deer that live in your front yard? Uh, you know, live in the front yard of up there. Flag is up. 
I just love the deer. I don't know why, because I've never been that close to a, you know, normally when you see deer, you see a white tail and it's going fast in the other Oof. direction, right? Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's when you see deer. Or you occasionally see them hanging around the road sometimes. But, oh, uh, yeah. you know, and they're just eating alongside the road or whatever. But this is the first time I've actually got to see them kind of in their natural environment, which happens to be their front yard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just doing deer things. And that was that was really cool. And the, you wanted me because you saw how fascinated I was with the deer to try and touch them like Monty does. And you know what? The one day, that last day there when I sat there for about an hour, by the way, that's the quietest I've ever been for an hour. That's what Jennifer said, yeah. <laughs> I got, well, they got within like two feet of me, about three of them, and then they scared themselves and took off. But they got really close. Uh, it was to, really peaceful to watch. Glenn yeah, it was too. fun. Yeah. yeah, it was fun to watch. Jen, Jen and I sat under the eaves of the house kind of trying to be you know little flies on the wall and uh you were out in the main yard the yard is big she just right. described to people it's not like front yard you know that you drive by it's uh it's a big teardrop drop uh shaped lawn out there under big elm trees and and it's a real peaceful place for the deer and they do they circle during the day they're gone and they do their little circle thing out in the woods whatever they do and then they come back about late afternoon and that's that's really the cool the air is still and the sun was just starting to get a little setty and you were you were just communing with those deer man big little the buck did bother you a little bit yeah though. the buck kept yeah. staring at me the whole time i was sitting there he didn't take his eyes off me and i was and that was like an eight ten point buck oh yeah and he was he's honestly papa of the family and and he was keeping a close eye if i'd done something wrong i would have been in trouble because i think you were a shish kebab he, huh? yeah, yeah, he, he would have been mad but the um the what i the one thing I really enjoyed watching was the two teenage bucks that each had, uh, you know, they each had a single horn at that point, uh, were just playing for half an hour. They were just going at it for a half an hour. And that was fun to watch. And then daddy came in and separated them for a while. Uh, you know, he, he, he said, told them to straighten out and they went not long. And then as soon as dad left, they went back at it just like teenagers do. Uh, So it was fun. That's right. It was fun to watch (laughs) that. That's right. You got up early in the morning and you saw them out there sparring early in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. That was neat. They're really cute. The babies are born right out there in the bushes uh, and they nurse out there. And, you know, Glenn saw them just squat and pee and everything. They're just <laughs> they totally natural. Right yep, totally there. natural. It was fun. It was fun. I didn't realize how much preening they did, like cats, how much licking they do. Yeah, I did touch- not realize yeah. that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. They they rub the withers just like horses do, too. You so that they must get hairballs nice... like cats do? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> they have ticks. I know that. You yeah, know. yeah, I know that. <laughs> Dad has a funny story where he... he he felt so bad for this one uh, deer that it had been a little injured and he looked a little mangier than the rest. So he wasn't quite as healthy and he had, he did have fleas. So, you know, dad does get close to their heads and the, and the ones that are really used to him, he does get to rub it on them a little bit too. And, and the fleas were getting kind of bad and mom was starting to worry a little bit. And so, um, <laughs> and she does sleep with him after all. So, so, um, uh, he he took some flea powder out, you know, and he thought, well, what I'll do is I'll just kind of sneak this in my hand and then, you know, pr- put it on his withers and then, uh, you know, he'll he'll probably just kind of get it all sifted all, all over him somehow. I don't know what his plan <laughs> was really. But anyway, he got that there and he he rubs it onto the withers and this uh, sweet little deer. He just went, what's that? And he jumps straight up in the air and lands it all for us. <laughs> and he was in a cloud of white. Like, <laughs> And he was looking confused, and Dad was dazed and confused at that point. So he did have a couple little horns. So, so um, yeah, we we try to keep him as as 
pure as possible for reasons like that. Like, don't even mess with Mother Nature. <laughs> you're you're going to have an accident somewhere in here. So. But I'm glad you got to enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, that was fun. It was the whole trip was a great time. And thank you for everything again. It was neat. Our pleasure. You'll have to do it. Now you know where the gate is, so you'll have to come That's back. That's right. And- we know the code. We're good to That's go. Right. <laughs> Unless you and changed we, it right after we left. We or, did right after yeah. you left, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie was before you, so that's no, we'd, love to have ja- we'd love to have Jamie and you guys back at the same time. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, that would be fun, yeah. It you know, be. this is the first time, you know, I do a show every day with Jamie, right? And you know, almost every day and for five years, and we never see each other, so it was kind of neat to hang out for a change. So that was neat too. Yeah. I'm glad you got some time in Arizona too. Well, speaking of hanging out, we have, we have some things going on here and uh, it's, 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 we hope you all had a terrific Thanksgiving and that you're all uh, over your Turkey coma today, but (laughs) uh, Monday it's, it's busy time because Monday is cyber Monday, but not only is it cyber Monday, it's the horse radio network holiday radiothon brought to you by Weatherbeta. So what that means is 12 hours live. It's the longest live event we've ever done. Hope we're still alive. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 12 hours live, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern time. And it's going to be Dr. Wendy Ying and I are going to be in the studio here in Ocala. And we're going to start the day off with horses in the morning, two hours. Jamie will be here. And, and of course, Jennifer's producing all day, much to her chagrin. Uh, <laughs> but and then all day long, we have over 20 hosts of the Horse Radio Network that are going to be jumping in for an hour at a time. And one of those hours is Monty Roberts' hour. Woo-hoo! It's Horsemanship Radio Hour. <laughs> yeah, and you and Pat fun. are going to be hosting that hour. Your, right. your mom. Mm-hmm. Monty will That's be stopping right. by. Uh, and... What we're doing is the the idea of the day is it's just a Christmas party. It's a fun day to talk about the holidays, and the, the theme of the day is your favorite holiday horsey memories. Yeah. So we're going to have people calling in. You're going to invite guests. We'll have big-name guests all day uh, calling in and talking about their favorite holiday memories, but we want the listeners to call in, too. So we want Monty's fans, and I'm sure you'll be promoting this on Facebook as well. You bet. Uh, but we want Monty's fans to call in and tell us about your favorite holiday memories. And who knows? You'll get to talk to Pat. Maybe Monty will be around. You get to say hi to Monty. Yeah. But we just want to hear about your favorite horsey memories, and it's just going to be a fun hour of that. Now, what we're also encouraging, because there is uh, there is over $2,500 in prizes we're giving away that day, mm-hmm. um, what we're also encouraging is is for you to, if you can't call in live that day, to send us a voicemail ahead of time. And we're looking for your creativity. We're looking for you to sing a Christmas carol in another language is even better if you speak oh, another language. We idea. love that. We've had those in the past. Um, we, if you can write a poem about Monty or about Horsemanship Radio or Debbie or Pat, uh, just shy boy, shy the boy, deer, the deer yeah. whatever, get them all in the poem. If you want to do your own, you know, uh, Monty Roberts, 12 Days of Christmas, uh, oh, you know, anything, think creatively. If you can't sing, get your kids to do it because they're, <laughs> whether they can sing or not, it's always cute. It's always cute. Yeah. Yeah. So, and all of this is on the website. If you go to Horse Radio Network, Network.com, and you'll see the link in the middle of the page for the Radiothon. There's a separate website for the whole Radiothon. And Debbie, you are going to be, I have to look this up because do you know your hour? We are Eastern, it's 1, and Pacific, it's 10 to 11. So 10 to 11 or 1 to 2 Eastern. 
One to two Eastern. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Yep. And uh, yeah, we're not going to pull back the curtains on who we have coming, but we got, well, with Monty, well, we, we got did, We will as soon as we confirmed. <laughs> as yes, soon as we're confirmed, we will be right. telling you ahead of time. But Well, yeah, yeah exactly. But, yeah. But it is going to be really, really cool. I, I mean, I can't believe we got these people to, to step in. and But they all want to talk about their holiday memories. Right. It's really cool. And, and in fact... And who, you know, I think I'm going to get something Danish in here. Yeah, just, yeah, just... yeah. We need some, <laughs> uh, what are they again? Able skeevers. Yeah, you guys need to be eating able skeevers and drinking your eggnog. Uh, that's you know, right. 10 o'clock in the morning, that's 5 o'clock somewhere. So that's... you're good to go. We, we're giving everybody permission to start drinking at 9 a.m. that day. So, uh, that's right. All right. Whatever's so, in yeah. there. Yeah, that's right. That's permission. I have from an executive plan. order I've signed. They're uh... <laughs> really good. Yeah, it'll be really fun. Really fun. Get us all in the mood. And, uh, you know, you'll be on the computer anyway. Cyber Monday. Everybody right. knows that you order all your gifts well, on Well, this is the deal. Boss's time. We will be giving away prizes. Prizes your hour, um, yes. and uh, the only way you can win a prize is if you submit a voicemail ahead of time. Even if the voicemail is just "Merry Christmas, everybody! Have a great holiday." Yeah. Uh, wish your horse a Merry Christmas. Wish Monty or Debbie a Merry Christmas, or Pat. You know, uh, whatever you want to do, you can be short, sweet. If you want to send us, just record it on your phone and send us a, uh, you know, a sound file, that's great. And all of those instructions are on the website. But only people who send us voicemails or call in live are eligible for the prizes at the end that's of the hour. That's right. you, you got to claim it somehow, yes. some way. You don't have to be super talented. Heavens knows we're not all. <laughs> right. Yeah, you won't hear me singing that day. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but that's why you guys have to sing. Cause we can't. That's right. Please. <laughs> Don't make us sing. And you don't want to embarrass Monty now by, you know, by being the group that doesn't get creative here. So Come on, your weight, you guys. Come on, please. No, right. And just get numbers. I, I don't care about quality. <laughs> I'm into quantity here. Jamie's out for people. blood this day. I think Jamie has thrown down a challenge. So, uh, you know, the dressage people, they're all working hard at it. You know, the endurance people are all going for oh, it. So shoot. You guys are making me nervous. Okay, everybody pull it together. Tell your friends. We yeah. have a lot of Facebook friends. Tell them twitter where you there. can listen live at the website so just go to horseradionetwork.com or horsemanshipradio.com we'll have links uh to the live player so you'll be able to listen live on your phones or on on the computer uh okay. wherever you are that day you'll be able to just pull up the player and listen live and then we are going to do this and i will tell everybody we're going to cut the hour out uh so we'll take the we'll take your hour uh the horsemanship hour out mm-hmm. and we will put that out on your feed so people that normally listen to your show will get it on their players or on iTunes. So that week, we'll put that out separately. So if you've missed it and couldn't listen live, you'll be able to listen to it after. Oh, no, no. It's for the people who want to listen to themselves that got That's on. That's right. That's that got on. For. The winners. They wanna, yeah. The winners <laughs> are going to be heard. So, you know, <clears throat> warm yourself up. And, yeah. I want to hear you on the podcast. So you'll be historic. You will be on the podcast forever. It'll be uh, archived with you. So don't worry about it. You know, so you don't have to sing on tune. So okay. I think this is going to become an annual event. It's because, you know, right now it's already becoming popular. We're hearing from so many people and so many companies are wanting to donate prizes and it's just, it's coming together. So yes. Oh, and I want to add one thing too, yeah. that we have a new Dooley halter out. That's the purple, the mini. So I was hoping maybe people would take a picture like with their minis with little antlers, you know, those little headband ones, <laughs> the little antlers of yes. little, make them into little elves. Oh, or make cool. them into, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, they might not have the purple yet cause it's just brand new out, but I want to get 
adorable photos of minis all ready for the holidays. And we're going to put that on Instagram and on our Facebooks and everything, too. So people can start putting those up anytime, too. They hear You this. are going to come out, too, with a new pony one. Has that happened? The pony one is out. It's I wanted thinner. to get one from and you when I was out there, and I forgot. Oh, my gosh, Glenn. You're I right. Forgot. You didn't ask me for I forgot, too. Yeah, <laughs> they're half the width now and they're really they're half the weight they're lighter and uh, you know they fit the heads so because the other ones were great for the big you know the big right. yearling and everything but but for the really light petite head like yours like uh, pt yeah like my uh, acne he looked uh, he looked the the altar was as big as his face so yeah, <laughs> yeah I, i'm excited to get the new one because we use it all the time so yeah we, we scale it to the mini size on the webbing so it, it's perfect great perfect. i'll get yeah. one from you yeah. well let's get on with our show Okay, we're going to have some fun today. This is some great, great horse people. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com, that's IFA as an index fund advisors, or you can call us toll free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Dr. Chris Heine, PhD, is an assistant professor and equine extension specialist at Oklahoma State University. As an equine nutritionist, she has consulted for Omega Fields and has been featured in issues of Horseman's Corral and Pasifino magazines, as well as goodhorsekeeping.com website. These publications join uh, Missouri Fox Trotting Horse Breed Associations and Info.com, Infohorse.com, as distribution vehicles, allowing Dr. Heine's expertise to reach even further into the equine community. Welcome, Dr. Chris Heine. How are you today coming all the way from Oklahoma? I'm doing well. Yourself? Fine, thank you. Good to hear your voice. You are a young, young assistant professor at uh, Oklahoma State University. I am surprised. I was reading over a lot of your work and your bio, and I'm amazed at what you've accomplished in so short life. People can look at your photo on our show notes, but um, what drives you? What what is it about horse nutrition and teaching that um, has made you such a workaholic? Well, I generally just enjoy it. Um, I'm always uh, fascinated by science, and I love the math that comes with you know formulating rations and things like that. So I've been a bit of a science geek my whole life, as well as combining my love of horses, and I get extremely overzealous when I get to talk and teach about them too, which you could certainly ask my students. (laughs) That's great. That's great. I mean, I love people that are excited and passionate about what they do. And we've been trying to um, address a subject that's been really difficult for people. There are those of us who know what the perfect lifestyle that sort of God intended for horses is that they would like to look five miles and 
each direction on the on the compass and they would like to just graze all day and uh and you know not have humans in their lives basically but um we also advocate for horses here on horsemanship radio so we know that that means we need to find a way to bring horses uh in our lives with us and we love them and they love us, but how do we get them healthy and staying that way? And you wrote an, an interesting article on pasture management and um, equine foraging behavior. Does it matter to you? I think was the title. And I would love to know how we can help horses live as healthy and naturally as possible, but using what you were just describing as your modern knowledge of science to guide us to what's possible given the limited space and time that we have with our horses? Sure. So if you think about what normal behavior is for a horse, they would actually be out grazing. um, Well, obviously they'd be out all the time, but grazing about two-thirds of the day. Um, But if you look at the habitat of the horse in the wild, um, it's certainly not improved pasture. It's not a specific species of grasses. Um, they're not maintained. And so it takes a lot more acreage and therefore the horse needing to travel that long and graze that long throughout the day to meet their nutrient requirements. Um, and certainly depending on how we manage our horses now and the type of pasture that they're in, um, we could have them in poor really managed pasture not meeting their nutrient requirements to in well-managed pastures, the horse might actually eat well above their nutrient requirements. Mm. So we have to try to find that balance um, of what the horse is ingrained to do and yet keep them healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you do that? I mean, it's it's also a regional thing, isn't it? You know, what we can grow out there and how much much we can grow. Yeah. So, so, you know, my transition to Oklahoma from being um, more northern in the Midwest Um, We always would say, you know, it takes about one to two acres of pasture for a horse to graze to meet his nutrient requirements. But that means improved pasture. That doesn't mean native range. So Mm -hmm. down here in Oklahoma, on native range, it may take 15 to 20 acres to support one horse. Mm. Well, that's not going to work for a lot of people. No. (laughs) (laughs) uh, What do we do, Chris? Uh, What what are you teaching? to your students these days about, you know, what does it look like 20 years from now when we just become, we might as well look at it, you know, we're going to become tighter, confined, I imagine. Um, Population's not going backwards. No, and so, and most horse owners now are are small acreage horse owners. Mm -hmm. So um, the amount of people that have, you know, hundreds of acres to run bands of horses on, there's simply, that's not possible. So what we probably see a little bit more are are people that will have smaller pastures and maybe we have a a lot or an exercise lot to confine the horse in part of the day and then still allow them to graze. Um, And so that would involve us actually keeping them off the pasture for perhaps part of the day or having a more rigorous rotation schedule so that we still allow them to graze and do that normal behavior. Uh, But yeah, we can't, we can't have it to 20 acres for the horse to do that on. So it requires a little bit more intensive management on our part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you get into the supplement world? Do you get into the feed world? Um, and it sounded like you, you were chemically talented as well so that you could <laughs> you develop some of these things so that we can, just like we do, we supplement with vitamins, don't we, if we don't eat right? Um, at least I do, I, you know. And so are you 
are you teaching that for horses too? And what, what do you see um, as, you know, know I, I would say it depends. Um, and so when I have taught students about horse nutrition and figuring what they need, most maintenance horses get by on forage alone. You know, obviously they have to have um, a certain amount of electrolytes and um, essentially salt in the diet. Um, and we want to make sure that our, our forage is adequate in minerals. But honestly, most horses do fine on just forage alone. But once we start changing the type of horse, if it's a performance horse or a horse that has a, um, a different type of life or an older horse, um, certainly the geriatric horses have a little bit different nutrient needs than a, than a younger horse does, um, then we have to be a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly the level of performance we'd expect out of the horse will alter, you know, maybe that feeding program. But for, for people's horses that are just, I would say, your, your normal low-activity horse, um, the best thing for them, and I would say mentally as well, is really that really high-forage diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, as opposed to pelletized and processed and... Yeah, it just, the amount of time that they'll spend chewing their feed if they have forage is so much greater than a pelletized feed. And again, we go back to that wild horse that's going to spend two-thirds of his day eating. Um, That's our best thing we could do for them to keep them mentally and gastrically healthy is to keep them chewing for a longer portion of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you've been a judge, you've been involved mm-hmm. in judging, right? And, uh, do you, do, are you these days, what, what discipline have you judged? I see quarter horse, American quarter horse association. Uh, uh, what other breeds have you been involved in? Uh, and Rainers. And Rainers. Okay. So mostly the quarter horse. Uh, do you see a, a change like we do with fashions and humans? I mean, do you see that a, a thinner horse or a, a fleshier horse is, uh, is a trend one way or the other these days? Are they what are they looking for? In- um, over over the amount of years, I guess that I've watched horses, there there was a while that horses were are shown maybe a little thin, uh, but that's gone away. I think if you look at most um, show horses these days, they're in really really good condition. Yeah, um, and that's part of that show show horse package and look. They have to look healthy. They have to have bloom to their coat. Um, you know, overweight. I think you can certainly tell when a horse is overweight. You can't really see the the muscles on them anymore, and you know they'll get a little bit maybe soggy in appearance. But um, a horse that's in good condition is certainly more desirable in the show pen than one that's in poor condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a happier horse too, right? Which yeah. is what I like to see. Yeah, right. And I really have not seen that many thin horses, um, at least in the the show pens that I've seen um, yeah. recently. Yeah, good. I think that's a good trend. Uh, not not fleshy, but yeah, but in good shape. I think people are a little more cognizant. I think science, you guys have done a better job of teaching us and supplying product for us and, and all those things that go along with having healthy horses, um, which is great. Thank you for that. If nobody thanks you, I will thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting the thank yous. I was intrigued by the fact that you're also, you have a special interest in agility dogs and canine yes, therapy <laughs> That's fun. I, the agility dogs are just fascinating to me. So what do you see as, almost every person I know who owns horses owns a dog too. So I guess mm-hmm. it kind of goes hand in hand. But they're really quite different, I think, in their motivations. So what do you love about the crossover between horses and dogs? Well, for me, uh, I've learned a lot by training my dogs. Um, and, and obviously we train dogs differently. Uh, um, 
I use a lot more positive reinforcement with the dogs and their toy and food-based motivation, which yeah. if we're riding and training horses, toy and food-based motivation doesn't really work as well. Ah, good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we, you know, when we communicate with them, we're really communicating with them via pressure and release and making sure that their their reinforcement comes in a different form than it is for the dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I have taken from the dogs is really, and, and thank you to all the dog trainers, wonderful dog trainers out there, um, how to break things down for the animal um, and make it a much more discreet step-by-step process and learning. Mm-hmm. Um, the dogs have really taught me that if you miss something in their training, that it'll tell on you later on. Um, and how you can take an animal's mind and teach them to learn. Mm-hmm. So I love watching my dogs when we start to, to train or learn something, how they're such an active participant in that, mm-hmm. um, and they're really engaged in the learning. And I really think horses, if you teach them the game of they have to figure something out, and if they do, they get exactly what we you know want to give them, that release from any pressure. You change their brain into a, a learning state instead of a reactive state. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, the dogs have really, really changed how I've approached even any little bit of horse training. Mm, that is so interesting. And I, and I bet there's a lot of people nodding their heads right now, agreeing with you too. Um, it, that's what I think why we like the dogs because they're in, they read our intent and horses also read our intent well and um, judge our physiology um, horses even sync with it, I think, quite a bit. You said something that I, I would love to ask you a question about. What do you consider a reward for a horse? Um, so I would use the same the same thing that we would describe with, with dogs. So we talk about reinforcement, positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. Um, positive reinforcement for a horse is essentially something that you give to them that they like. Um, and so that can be verbal praise. Once they know it, they do mm-hmm. have to understand what that actually means. And so mm-hmm. they have to link it with um, something else that they like. Um, but, you know, scratching on the withers or petting, not patting, as we always remind people, don't Thank pat you. the horse, you have Thank to pet you. them. So, um, those are a lot of what the horse would want to do. And then for, for negative reinforcement, Negative, it has a very, very bad connotation that a lot of people think, oh, it's bad, it's negative. Mm-hmm. All it means is you take something away. It's simply That's a subtraction. Right. Um, right. And so it can be a release of the rein, a release of the leg, or simply, hey, you get to stand here. You did yeah. this right, so now you get to do nothing, and I will allow you a break and a rest. Um, and so a lot of that reinforcement, and the other thing that I teach with that is that reinforcement is you take that cue away. You know, when that horse is doing what you want it to do, you mm-hmm. release that cue or that pressure on them. And that pressure may not be physical pressure. It may be proximity to a human that mm-hmm. your release is just leave them alone a little bit. Um, so it's really looking for what is that horse willing to work for. Very good. I love that. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Tell us, I mean, some people heard it, but tell us why you believe that the padding versus the petting is completely different. Um, that's actually, uh, probably where did I actually read this? I'm out of the dog literature. Um, and again, I, I take a lot of my training from, from some of the great trainers out there. I think it was in a book that Patricia McCall wrote. Um, but that patting is a primate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, primates pat and other animals pet, um, and they appreciate the petting or that stroking a lot more. Um, and I do believe somebody, and I 
can't quote you here on the researcher that did that. The, um, I think they had heart rate monitors on horses, and mm-hmm. when owners patted their horse, mm-hmm. it increased their heart rate um, mm-hmm. versus petting would actually lower their heart rate and relax the horse. Yeah, very good. Well, we we always watch the horses in the fields, don't we? And they are, they're um, rubbing each other's withers. You know how they stand tailed? Mm-hmm. To, to nose and yeah, and um, and that's something that the mom imparts to the foal at a, a really young age. You know that little scratching at the wither, which there was a study too, and again I can't quote it either, but where they noticed that that actually brought adrenaline and, and heart rates down, I, I, mm-hmm. at least the heart rates down too, and it is a soothing thing. So that mm-hmm. the yeah the petting or the stroking is something that is encouraged from young age, but the patting I don't no, even. Recommend people really look at what that animal's behavior, and you know, on the flip side, there are things that horses like that we don't. So the vigorousness of their itching each other with their teeth, we Uh would not appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And they try sometimes, don't they? They Right. Yeah. So it's only fair to figure out what do they actually like versus what do we like. (laughs) That's absolutely right. Just don't let them rub their tail out. I know. I know. But but, uh, well, that's all really interesting. I. Thank you for even exploring outside the, the forage and, and science area, too. Do you get into some of the physiology of, uh, of their, I guess, behaviors, too? Do you get into the behavioral science of it, or do you pretty much stay on the, the feed science? No, I, I really enjoy the behavior part of it, too. Um, yes. And so through my um, classes that I've gotten an opportunity to teach, I get to teach a lot of behavior in horse handling. Um, I'm actually teaching a class right now um, at Oklahoma State that is a horse handling class, actually a couple of them. And so I really enjoy it, trying to get people to almost realize how the horse thinks or trying to get better at reading body language, which I think, uh, you know, a lot of people need practice at, you know, and practice where a trained person is there to tell you, did you see that? Did, you know, did you notice this moment here? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's what's hard. And without somebody there to help you recognize that, it's really hard to get better. So having somebody there that that kind of behavior person, I think, is a really, really neat, fun thing yeah. for those kids to have. Yeah, huge advantage. Huge advantage for vet students coming out of uh, vet school. What a huge advantage to go into practice knowing a little bit more about behavior rather than just uh, oh, a twitch or um, some ace, I guess. <laughs> you know, that doesn't, that doesn't start it off right. But, you know, I will... I will point out to everybody that I read on the tail end of your email that you use a quote from Frank Lloyd Wright, and I think this sums, mm-hmm. it, up, it, sums it up perfectly that for you. Is It's uh, quoted as saying, I know the price of success, dedication, hard work, and a devotion to the things that you want to see happen. That is a perfect quote for you, Dr. Chris Heine. Uh, I just think that's you put that in a package, and students um, should be looking to go to Oklahoma State for you um, to take from your classes because I would if I were young and looking for a university to go to to study exactly what you're teaching. Um, so we would love to have you back if you would if you'd come back and spend a little more time with us. Oh, absolutely. Great. We're going to have you back for a trainer's tip because you're full of them, I am sure, and we'll, <laughs> we'll test my theory here. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day and uh, your studies and teaching at Oklahoma State University to be with Horsemanship Radio today. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Chris Heine. We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition, but why? 
Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. Omega Horse Shine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine, and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at OmegaFields.com, or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at OmegaFields.com. That's OmegaFields.com. Keith Dane is a horseman who has owned, showed, bred, and trained horses for most of his life. He's a licensed judge with many great gated breed organizations and co-founded one of the first show circuits for the sound gated horse community, created as an alternative to the big lick shows that um, have, can involve cruelty in training. As vice president of equine protection for the Humane Society of the United States, Keith Dane oversees the domestic horse welfare programs for the nation's largest animal protection organization. Those efforts include a nationwide campaign to end the slaughter of America's horses in the U.S. and abroad, a horse owner education program addressing cases of equine cruelty and neglect, securing the welfare of horses used in sport, work, and racing, and the rehoming of America's at-risk and homeless horses. So prior to joining the HSUS, Dane was serving as the executive director of Friends of Sound Horses. Some people know it as FOSH, an organization established to eliminate cruelties in the Tennessee walking horse industry. He served as FOSH's liaison to the U.S. Department of Agriculture for its certified inspection program under the Horse Protection Act. Welcome, Keith Dane, Vice President of the Equine Protection for the Humane Society of the United States. Happy to have you here, Keith. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Where do you hail from right now on this call? Well, I'm living in Maryland, uh, just outside of Washington, D.C., and that's where I'm calling from today. Great. And I'm really delighted to be on the show, so thank you for having me. Well, I'm delighted to have you. We go back a ways, Keith. Um, I don't know if you remember where we first met, but I believe it was over a, a mutual attempt to um, free up some horses from some garb that they didn't need to be wearing. Um, <laughs> that would be a nice way of saying the uh, big lick, uh, the Tennessee walking horses. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Your dad had been uh, a strong advocate of uh, reforms in the walking horse industry, and we uh, we were going to work together on a project uh, along those lines. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you've, you've done a lot of good and you come from the grassroots of the horse world, but you rose to a position of influence to, to help horses. And I, I appreciate that and respect that. Why did you choose the Humane Society? Well, when I moved to Maryland in 1987, I had been a, an exhibitor, a breeder, trainer, and owner of Tennessee Walking Horses for most of my life. And where I came from in upstate New York, there was no soaring of walking horses going on, but you know, you, you hear about it. When I came to uh, the Washington, Baltimore area uh, in 87 and started to see firsthand some of the evidence of what was going on with regard to soaring, I wanted to continue to be a participant in the industry, and um, but didn't want to do that unless I was helping to solve the problem. Um, didn't want to compete against people who were doing this to their horses, and so had joined with some other uh, walking horse owners to form the first national all-flat-shod walking horse uh, show circuit mm-hmm. and advocacy organization. And being close to Washington, I became essentially a grassroots lobbyist, working with some of the animal protection groups and others um, on the Hill in Washington, D.C., working with uh, Congress as well as USDA to try to improve the enforcement of the Federal Horse Protection Act, which, of course, um, governs the uh, equipment and, and things that can be done to Tennessee walkers in a show ring. Mm-hmm. So being so close to uh, Washington and working with these groups, including the Humane Society, I became knowledgeable about a lot of the animal protection or, or horse protection issues that are out there and the welfare issues. And um, when the HSUS, the Humane Society, decided to form a horse protection department, I was interested in um, you know, joining up and doing it full-time. And that's how I came to be involved with the Humane Society. Well, that's great. Okay. Well, we like join up here. That's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like the whole concept of, of collaboration and, and we like advocacy for horses to keep them in our lives. Um, but let's, let's go back a little bit about your upbringing. Did you grow up with horses? I did. I've been riding since I was a kid and um, we started off with one horse and eventually had a whole farm and got into breeding and doing some amateur training and exhibiting. And uh, for the past 25 years or so, I've been a horse show judge. I judge just about all gated breeds. In fact, I just this past week was uh, honored to be on the panel of judges for the Pasafino National Horse Show in Lexington, Kentucky, which was a six-day-long national championship show. So I've been involved with horses for more decades than I want to admit (laughs) most of my life. Well, I saw the photo that you sent in that we'll have in the show notes has you um, on a mountaintop with a bunch of guys in the saddle, Western saddle. And is that something you get to do enough of? I really don't. I wish I could ride more. Um, My uh, family sold the farm about two years ago. And so Mm -hmm. the last horse that was with us eventually um, passed on. And I'm Mm -hmm. horseless at the moment, except for a horse that I have uh, who's retired in Tennessee, but I have a friend nearby that um, we get to go riding together with once in a while. But the uh, photo that you're referring to was a uh, beautiful trip out to the Absorca Mountains in Wyoming. Wow. Um, uh, it was a HSU US, um, supporter trip um, that we have done for the last two years now at the um, at a ranch just outside of Du uh, Bois, Wyoming. 
and mm-hmm. uh, or Cheyenne, Wyoming, and it's a beautiful place. Um, great views, great horses, and uh, just great camaraderie. So I, I wish I could do more of that, but that was a, a really thrilling trip. Yeah, that looks really fun. So who who supplies the horses in that case? Is there a, a ranch there? Yes, it's the Seven D yeah. Ranch in uh, just outside of, uh, I believe it's Cheyenne, Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're you're still involved with horses and you're not just, you know, what do they say, on the hill in Washington. Um, as much as we need you there advocating for horses and understanding the concepts behind the best ways to advocate for horses, um, we, we want to know that you still have, you know, horse hair under your fingernails a little bit and, and that you are um, in touch with the industry. And I guess I got to ask you too, I know we've made a big effort, we meaning Monty Roberts, me, friends, uh, to to maybe educate would be the best word uh, about the best way to go for, for the horses. And, and I couldn't not ask, do you think that the big lick is pretty much history at this point? Are, are they going to survive? I don't think there's any way they can survive, Debbie, because it's a unnatural and inhumane, inhumanely produced gate that mm-hmm. um, the public is turning away from. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a time when they had big lake horses in just about every part of the country, and now it's very much a regional uh, industry. And uh, if you look at the number of horse shows offering those classes, uh, it has gone down drastically over the years. If you look at the attendance at the big shows, even including the National Celebration, which is held in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and which I've attended every year for the past eight or nine years. Um, the attendance is way down. The entries are down. So it's it's they're hanging on, um, but it's an industry in rapid decline. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think eventually it's going to die out. But unfortunately, horses are still being abused and suffering. And so we at the Humane Society and many groups, including many industry groups, horse yeah. industry groups, support um, the Prevent All Soaring Tactics Act, which is a federal bill that would amend the 1970 Horse Protection Act and do away with um, several of the loopholes in the existing law that have allowed this practice to continue. It would eliminate the the use of the stacks and the chains, which are all part of the soaring process, mm-hmm. and get rid of the industry self-regulation, which has just done such an abysmal job of mm-hmm. trying to uh, essentially regulate soaring instead of end it. Um, mm-hmm. So those are changes that we feel are really needed. You know, I've been an advocate on this issue for you know decades, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I've tried working with USDA to uh, increase enforcement, trying to get some a little bit more money for them to get out in the field and do enforcement. And what I've come to learn is that the, the violators in this industry just have no mm. desire or interest yeah. to clean themselves up. Um, they like what they're doing, and they intend to hold on for as long as possible. Yeah. So even though it's yeah. in decline, we really don't want to see generations more Tennessee walkers suffer and feel that uh, this federal law needs to be passed in order to protect them. Yeah, so I love what you did uh, as a director of Friends of Sound Horses, FOSH, F-O-S-H, an organization established to eliminate the cruelties in the Tennessee Walking Horse. I love that you've advocated to take these wonderful horses, these talented athletes, and take them to a flat shot, take them in a different direction. They they came from a different direction when they started out decades ago, and they can go in a different direction again, can't they? Absolutely. You know, I've always maintained that the Tennessee Walking Horse could be one of the most popular breeds in the country 
you know, to even rival the American Quarter Horse because of its nature, because of its fantastic gait, mm-hmm. um, and its versatility. You know, there are many different uses for Tennessee walking horses. And as you said, they started off as not a show horse, but as a plantation horse, a working mm-hmm. horse. And they have great um, abilities to do a variety of things, not just in the show ring, but in the field, on the trail, etc. Um, several long-distance riding horses uh, that are gated or, or have walking horse backgrounds are very competitive. Um, you know, the, you're used in cattle and ranch work and, uh, you know, excellent trail mounts. So the walking horse's future, I believe, is as a, as a pleasure, recreation, and even working horse, not as a big lake show horse. Um, and the Humane Society, uh, under my direction, has um, recognized this, and we've created a program known as Now That's a Walking Horse, it's a program intended to reward and encourage people who are using their their natural yeah. Tennessee walkers in non-traditional venues. In other words, things other than the show ring, whether it's driving or working or um, long-distance endurance, whatever, just to show the versatility of this horse and that it can do so many things other than go around a ring. Yeah. Um, and we're, we've met with great uh, enthusiasm, and we've given over uh, $30,000 away in grants and awards. We also um, give grants to therapeutic riding or horsemanship programs that use Tennessee walker, walkers in their programs to show that that's yet another talent that they have and use that, that they have. So mm-hmm. we're really encouraging the future of the Tennessee walking horse by promoting these different venues. Good. That's great. So where do you spend most of your time? Do you, are you on welfare or is it education or legislation? What, what do you spend your time doing? It's really a combination. A large part of what I and my staff do is uh, what we call public policy. So it's um, trying to get either laws passed or regulations and uh, put into place or just policy changes um, from law, you know, governmental agencies to increase protections. And that can include anything from trying to get a local law enforced when a, you know, a hoarder is not feeding their animals on up to you know, trying to get Congress to pass a bill. So public policy changing the way that horses are treated for the better, hopefully. Um, if there are laws in place, getting them enforced, and if there aren't, laws or tough enough laws, getting new ones enacted. That's that's a fairly large component. Public education is also a big um, segment. We published a book back in 2007, the Humane Society of the United States um, Guide to Horse Care, and it was intended to be a, basically a primer for the new or beginning horse owner on, you know, what is good proper horse care. Um, and so that book is still available uh, for purchase, and uh, we've produced many brochures on um, and website pages on uh, what is good horsemanship and, and some of the ethical decisions um, that people have to think about when they get into owning horses. You know, can I afford it? What happens if I can no longer afford it or no longer have a need for the horse? What are the responsible choices to make? So, you know, working with um, people in the horse industry to raise the standard of care, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and well-being of horses is another big big uh, area. Yeah, great. There's there's a lot of areas to cover in a day. I imagine between oh gosh, um there's the soaring which we've we've talked about horse racing before. We've talked about responsible breeding and 
and uh, as well as horse ownership. Do you feel like you're you're a guy at the Humane Society who's pretty approachable from the public standpoint? Like if if people wanted to know more about what they can do or the best ways to do things, that they could approach you with that? Well, I hope that that's how I'm perceived because I do consider myself that way and my door is always open. I'm always uh, eager and happy to talk with folks uh, about these issues. Um, part of the problem is just getting getting it known that we're here, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm so grateful to be on your on your program, letting people know that we are here, that we do care, that we are approachable and we welcome and solicit people's input. We do table at quite a few horse events um, around the country every year, um, Equine Affair and others, to try to get out into the public, let people know that we are we're here for the horse industry. You know, we support the horse industry and horse ownership. We just want to make sure that it's done right and that the welfare of the horse is a paramount concern. Um, but we encourage and support, you know, people having a relationship with their equines. Yeah, good. Good. Well, I appreciate you coming on and being real forthright about that. I love that you're a, a horse person first in your life and that you, I know you sincerely care about the welfare of horses and um, really glad to have you in high places where um, an approachable mind like yours can, uh, can help uh, speak for us out there in the horse world and horse ownership and horse advocacy. So thank you for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. It's my pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Hi. I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Up next, we have a good horsemanship from trainer Carl Bledsoe. Welcome back, Carl Bledsoe. Thanks again for agreeing to uh, be our trainer's tip for today. And we want to get a little bit more insight from you after that wonderful interview that we had with you before about the Tennessee walking breed and horses in general, really. You've grown up with them. Tell us, Carl, some insight about horses, people, and where you see the breed going. Well, you know, I have so many people that that, uh, that are by the book with their horse, and I tell them all the time, unless that horse can read that book, you need to pay attention to the horse. <laughs> uh, the horse will tell you everything you need to know about him, and he'll tell you everything that you need to know about you. If you follow him, uh, he'll make you be a better person while you're trying to help him be a better, a better equine. Excellent. That's spoken from the horse's mouth right there. I think he's telling us that. Thank you, Carl Bledsoe. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, January 9th, is the next time he has an event at Flag is Up Farms. It's called the Night of Inspiration. It's 
fun, it's food, and it's conversations with Monty and Pat Roberts in Solvang, California. Then March 19th and 20th, join Pat Roberts for the Wild at Heart Weekend. It's for men and women, and it'll be a lot of fun. It's got wine tasting and horses. What more do you need? And March 21, the day after, that's a Monday, we have the Horse Sense for Leaders at Flag is Up Farms in California. That's about building trust-based relationships. We just had one a couple of Fridays ago, and they're really remarkable. People um, have changed. They go back to their jobs with changed lives and changed perspectives. April 9th, we, uh, Monty will be in Willemsborg, Denmark on his events there and uh, a live tour event. And then into the summer, we have a Monty special training. July 7 through 11 is the translation in Portuguese. So he'll be speaking English, but we will have a translator in Portuguese. And then July 12 through 22, it's the Gentling Wild Horses course again. That's the one that Jamie, Jamie Jennings attended. Yeah, a brilliant group. I hope we have as strong a group this year because it was amazing. And then Monty's special training, August 1 through 5. This is, we're going into, I think, our sixth, seventh year of the Monty special training. People pilgrimage from all over the world to it. It's an auditor's course. Anybody can come, and it's usually packed, and it's amazing. We film everything because it's just uh, great work with horses. Terrific. And of course, you, you won't remember all of what she just said. So you can find <laughs> it at MontyRoberts.com, the complete schedule on there and all the information about how to contact him, including the phone number, which is 805-688-6288. Well, everybody, we will see you on Monday. Monty's hour is again at 1 p.m. Eastern time with Debbie and Monty and Pat and the whole gang. Mm-hmm. And for details about today's show, you can go to Horsemanship Radio com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about the guests. And as always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under facebook.com slash Monty Roberts and Twitter at twitter.com slash Monty underscore Roberts. To get the free app, go to Horse Radio Network on iTunes or Android phones and or tablets and just search for Horse Radio Network. It's free and it's easy to use. Great way to do it, too. And many thanks to our sponsors. We've got IFA.com, Omega Fields, and Monty's Equus Online University. Thank you so much for your support. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. But until next time, and until Monday, have many happy horse hours. <laughs> 